All right, y'all. Today's episode is brought to you by Gray Dog Guitars, located at 141 North Cortez Street in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. Gray Dog Guitars is an authorized tailor, Gretsch, Guild, and Reverend dealer with a friendly, knowledgeable staff and a welcoming environment. Whatever you are looking for, whether to buy, sell, or trade, Gray Dog Guitars has you covered. So stop by today and check out their great selection of new, used, and vintage gear and check them out at www.graydogguitars.com. Welcome to The Creative Convergence, an audible nexus of the creative arts. I'm your host, Candace Devine. Join me in conversation as we discuss the journey creatives take on their path to success. Hey everybody, we are back with another Creative Convergence podcast, and today we have an incredible guest. He's so much fun to be around, and he is so talented. His name is Matt Adams of The Blank Tapes. Let me tell you a little bit about him. The Blank Tapes is the moniker of Southern California-based multi-instrumentalist Matt Adams, who has produced over a dozen albums of 1960s and 70s-inspired folk rock, surf, psych, soul pop on Volcom, Burger Records, Antenna Farm, and many others. Their latest album being 2020's Power Trio, where Matt is playing all the instruments. The band has toured throughout the US, UK, Europe, Canada, Brazil, Japan, and even Costa Rica. Matt has also produced other artists including Sugar Candy Mountain, The Regrets, Pearl Charles, Cat's Bloom, and many more. Matt is also the artist behind his band's posters and album covers, as well as doing art for The Grateful Dead, Chris Robinson, Langhorn Slim, Folk Yeah, and more. If you'd like to learn more about Matt Adams or The Blank Tapes, please see our show notes for links to their social media accounts. Hey, everybody. I am so excited. I'm sitting here in studio with mm. Matt Adams of The Blank Tapes. And you often come up to Prescott, record, hang out with us, do incredible artwork. Can we jump into your life? I would love to know all the things. <laughs> well, it's good to be here. Thanks for uh, interviewing me. And yeah, we're at um, the Raven Sound Studio yeah. in, uh, in Prescott, downtown Prescott. So. It's, a, it's a treat for me to be in studio because oftentimes I do uh, the podcast over Zoom. So it's nice to actually see your eyeballs person to person and right. be in the same room. Um, where were you born? What was the beginning of your life like? Do you have siblings? Tell me about your family and little tiny Matt. Oh, man, that's a, that's a <laughs> lot <laughs> to talk about. it. Well, I grew up, I was born and raised in Newport Beach. I know it, yeah. Orange County, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and I had uh, three siblings, and we were all pretty artistic. I was, I'm the second youngest. Okay. Um, my mom is an artist of sorts, and my dad was like more of an engineer. But um, yeah, you know. So we, um, but we grew up with a lot of art and music. You know, there was like a grand piano in our house, and we all took piano lessons. Yeah. And, um, and then little by little. My older siblings got like guitars and they didn't really stick with them so much. And eventually they found their, their way to me and I started playing guitar and just never really put it down. And uh, I was going to say, did you kind of just teach yourself? Did you take guitar lessons? I pretty much taught myself. Like I yeah. learned a few things here and there and like had some chord books and 
like an Eagles songbook and uh, you know, but basically, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it was it was a good one. But yeah, it's just yeah, I had a couple friends that showed me like a couple things, but I mostly just once I had a few the foundation of a few chords and how to tune it, you know, I kind of figured it out from there, you know, yeah. just played along with records and stuff. And what kind of uh, little munchkin were you in, like, your primary school years? Were, I mean, obviously, you were artistic and very musically inclined. Were you also kind of an athletic kid? Were you a shy kid? Were you an outgoing, extroverted child? Hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, you might be able to tell. I mean, I, I, I guess I was a shy kid, you know. I wasn't, And the music thing didn't really take over my life until, like, I got into high school and, and later after that, yeah. but mostly I was drawing just all the time. I was so art was a, also equally a natural element for you. Yeah, that was kind of like my first thing that I, I my first passion or my first uh, whatever artistic outlet. So I was just drawing all the time, like you know, at school and just wherever wherever I you yeah. know was you know you know if I needed to like escape my you know my surroundings or something or just for the fun of it because a lot of my friends and my family was drawing so it was yeah. just in my life but did you stay in Newport Beach most of your childhood years or did your family move around or were you guys pretty solid in one place it was pretty much Newport Beach for um up until like my early 20s or so and I went to art school for just a little bit in Laguna Beach yeah and, uh, yeah, and um, I kind of moved out when I was, like, 20. Well, I moved out a few times, but initially <laughs> when I was, like, you know, 18 or 19. And then uh, moved out of Orange County when I was, like, 24 or 25 or something. Hold that thought because I definitely want to circle back to that. But I want to follow up a little bit on your on your younger years as far as getting into, like, junior high, high school <laughs> and being an artist and being in a beachy environment and an artistic family and all of that era. When you were in high school, were you— saturating yourself into the arts? Had you already started kind of writing songs a little bit or were you more focused in the fine art drawing aspect? How did you kind of um, grow your artistry in your, you know, teenage years? Yeah, well, I guess um, I was always really obsessed with drawing. So drawing was, and, and like when I was younger, it was always my goal to be like an illustrator when I got older or a cartoonist or yeah. an animator. So that, that was my main, that was always the thing that I wanted to do. And then- Were you watching cartoons? Like, was were there things you were seeing that you were like, oh my gosh, I want to do that? Or yeah, did you just yeah. love to draw and think, that would be something I'd do? Yeah. I mean, I loved all, all like forms of cartoon type of stuff, like yeah. animated cartoons, like, I don't know, Looney Tunes, <laughs> yeah. Ren, Ren and Stimpy, whatever, uh, and the, you know, Simpsons, stuff like that. And then, and then like with, you know, certain comic books, not so much superhero comic books, but certain comic books. And then, and then like uh, other comic strips, like uh, Calvin and Hobbes and, and, you know, like Dr. Seuss, stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, all that stuff was, you know, basically what I was obsessed with. And then little by little, junior high into high school, I started playing guitar and uh, writing songs. And I wrote songs even, like, before when I was, like, I don't know, eight years old. And I, you know, I would just write lyrics and melodies and stuff. And, you know, so I was always writing songs even if I didn't have an instrument, you know. But, did you think of yourself as a musician at all? Like, in your mind, as a, like, did you think, oh, that's something I also do? Because obviously you're very art-centric forward, which is awesome. 
But I just, knowing you, the little that I do in the handful mm-hmm. of times I've met you, obviously I met you as a musician. So mm-hmm. I'm just curious in those blossoming moments, like, did you kind of think both and, or did you not think about it at all and just enjoy it? Well, I guess at some point I had to, to like really make a decision because I was kind of just doing both of them, you know, well, little by little, the music kind of took over. So I was doing more and more. I was writing more and more and recording more and more. And it became more like it was always just for fun. And I'd write like kind of goofy songs. And like, you know, it was just like something that was just for my own like enjoyment, really. And then I guess when I went into art school, I think, you know, I had this trajectory of like going to art school and doing the art thing. And then at some point, I I think I just realized that I was getting more and more into music. Yeah. So, you know, I guess after a couple years of art school, um, I just dropped out basically, you know. And then... um, Wait, let's talk about that though, because I (laughs) love that you went to art school. I think that's amazing. Um, When you finished high school, was there conversation at that time about either going to art school or to college initially directly? Was your family kind of like, go, go see the world, go do you? How did, I'm always fascinated by artists um, in that section of time because family input seems to have such an interesting effect on the way artists choose to make a path, you know? Sure. I think college was always on the table, you know, I don't think there was ever like, oh, go see the world and do that, you know, yeah. although I, maybe I, sh- I probably should have done that. But yeah, I think, uh, you know, it was always just, uh, you know, the like I said, the trajectory trajectory was always art. So I was going to art school. Yeah. And from an early age, I always just wanted to go to art school and, um, you know, just kind of focus on that. And, you know, and art school was fun. I was going to say, did you, did you enjoy it? Did it give you kind of what you thought it would be? Not really. I mean, <laughs> he's like, yeah, no, not, not totally. I mean, you know, I mean, like with a lot of uh, professions, especially in the art world, sometimes it's better just to like dive into it. And you know, I learned some stuff. You know, learned. I I already kind of knew a lot of. Well, you know, I had older siblings that were teaching me like perspective and. Uh, you know, I had drawing books and, you know, I guess, it, you know, it showed me a few techniques and like doing some life drawing and stuff like that. And, you know, I learned some stuff. But when I got out of art school, so I went, I got out of art school to focus on music, but I, I then got a job working for a cartoonist, like an artist for like three years, three or four years. Wow. Yeah. It was on a strip for Mad Magazine. Yeah. Yeah, and he, this guy, Bill Ray, William Ray, um, as he's known in the fine art world, um, he also worked on Ren and Stimpy and stuff. Um, so literally, you got this job with a person that kind of em- embodied all the things you had been watching and looking up to yeah. in your younger years. And I mean, did, were you super stoked on it? Or was it kind of, you know, they always say sometimes like, don't meet your heroes. Or was it something that you were kind of like, oh, this isn't what I thought it would be? Yeah, well, I learned a lot. Like yeah. basically, that was like uh, college for me. Like the what I really wanted to, you know, because it was it was like I was able to focus on what I like to do and what I'm good at doing, or you know, all that stuff. And you know, like drawing like funny looking characters, you know, big noses and you know, and all kinds. You know, so it was like, um, yeah, it, it was great. You know, I, I mean, I, you know, not to, to say anything personally about the particular guy, we're friends. You know, and I still kind of work from here and there. 
even to this day, you know, work for him. Um, but, you know. Oh, good. So it's not some schmuck you don't like. <laughs> we, we we got along, you good. know. We got along. Not to say, you know, he, he wasn't, you know, uh, difficult in his own ways. But, you know, <laughs> but we're friends, you know. Uh, I'll give him a little leeway. We are, we're all difficult in our own ways, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, he'll, he'll admit it. You yeah. know, but he's a, he's a good guy. And he's, uh, he's talented. And he taught me, like, like basically my um the style that i dr- draw that i you know my current style is it was heavily influenced by his um techniques you know yeah basically like he taught me how to like um well i was always kind of going in and out of different styles up until then like some were a little looser with the really sketchy lines some were tighter some were more influenced by, you know, the, it was just all, I was kind of moving around a lot, testing the ground. And then when I found, when I worked for him, I kind of found my style really, which, yeah. you know, I'm still adjusting, but basically he taught me how to like draw with like a brush and, and ink and stuff, yeah. like doing the whole like uh, ink well. Um, and then just kind of really making it clean. And, you know, he gave me some pointers here and there about how, how to like, you know, I was never really into drawing like huge scenes, you know, where I had to draw like a city or whatever. It was always individual characters. So I kind of had to really like, basically, well, my job for him was I was his assistant doing all the stuff he didn't want to draw. So like, <laughs> you know, so like he would draw, yeah, I did all kinds of stuff too. Yeah, I'd like, it gives you focus, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one particular job that, you know, was, wasn't so fun at the time, but it helped me was like, you know, he would say, okay, Google a bunch of images for like a downtown, this just comes to my mind, like a downtown New York subway entrance, you know? So I'd have to like learn the architecture and like kind of do some perspective and, you know, do all the stuff that wasn't really that fun to do, but it helped with the, you know, the piece. Cause I was, you know, had, you know, yeah. a, it had a setting to put the characters in, you know? So, and since then I've definitely, you know, um, you know, just um, had to done had to do a lot of that stuff. You know, ideally, like if I were to do, like, because for the listeners who don't know, like most of my art now is art commissions. So people like hire me to do like their poster for their band or. Um, and you've done some big name posters. <laughs> done some big ones, yeah, yeah. Some posters and album covers. Like currently, I'm doing a Grateful Dead one. That's part of like a, yeah. a series of that Grateful little band Dead. no one's ever heard. Yeah, of. right. I mean, I guess. <laughs> They're, they're the biggest ones I've yeah. done stuff with. There's a few other ones that um, a lot, a lot of the big other bigger ones I've done are through like a, a certain promoters. So I'm never like you know talking like one on one with like their their team. You right. know, it's like I'm there's a middleman and they just kind of. But uh, anyways, like my style, yeah. Like sometimes with my style, like someone will request I draw like uh, I don't know, like the building I'm in right now. You know, not that I, have, I haven't done. I, I will need to do that, but so then I'll have to study the architecture right. and really make it kind of look like it does in real life, which yeah. isn't fun, but <laughs> I've gotten pretty decent at doing, you know, yeah. so it's not the worst thing in the world anymore. But. While you were assisting this other artist and learning and growing in your own artistic styles, what were you um, kind of listening to or how was music fitting in? Was it still kind of a little bit on the back burner? Were you writing on the side? How are your emotions 
between the two art forms kind of fluctuating at that time? Because ultimately you said, I mean, you still do both, which is, I think, the most amazing thing. But you had said at some point music started to kind of take over. Was that happening as you were having this experience in turning and learning or not, or assisting and learning kind of more focused artwork on your own end? Where was music fitting in? Yeah, right. Um, basically, music was always there, and it was getting more and more, more, more and more of an obsession of mine. To where I wasn't really drawing in my free time. You know, like I was working for that cartoonist guy, but I rarely was just drawing for you. And also because I wasn't really in as many settings as I was, you know, as I was when I was young, where I, I was forced to be like in school or a church or whatever, where. You know, where I was just, I had to, like, make do with what I had. So I'd always right. bring a sketchbook or paper to, like, you know. So now I'm like, oh, I'm I'm an adult, and I'm in the world, and I'm doing what I want. And I would still draw. I'd still do it. You know, I'd go to shows or open mics or wherever, you know, and i draw. But, you know, music was starting to be way more fun for me. Because, you know, like, usually with drawing, it's a real solo meditative endeavor where you're just really, you know, kind of like. Yeah. You know, and music is like that too, like when you're writing and stuff. But, you know, the plus side with music is you can play with a band, you could, you know, in a studio at shows, you know, and eventually tour and, you know, maybe meet some girls along the way or whatever, you know, it just, it just as, a, as a bonus, you know, it's totally, you know, you know, a lot of people get into music for, for that. But for me, it was just because I, you know, I, I mean, obviously most people do because they love it right. primarily, you know, but hey, it was just not a bonus. Hot chicks you know? always helps. <laughs> you know, so definitely. Yeah. Anyways, but, um, I think what well, it was interesting because I was working for this cartoonist and then eventually, and I, and I, but I wasn't really working up to anything, you know, I wasn't going to let go and then start my own comic right. book or anything. I was like, okay, as soon as I'm done with this, I'm just going to start playing guitar, you know? So had you at that point, um, done anything as an artist yet musically? Like, had you played open mics on your own, right? With the songs you've written, had you yet put together any kind of band jam, you know, on weekends or anything? Had you taken any steps at that point to start pursuing music? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, by that time, I had already recorded like 10 albums, and, <laughs> you know, and like played. I was playing, uh, yeah, like five days a week, you know. I was yeah. just, I was, you know, like I was, as soon as I got out of high school, I was pretty much doing it all the time, you know. So I was just, so that was what I was doing all the time. And then in my free time, I was doing the art and working and stuff for the right. artist. And then whatever random job I had at the time, but um, yeah. So it was I was just more and more upset, more obsessed with it. And then at some point, I decided to um, kind of make a conscious decision to just focus on to kind of put art on the back burner, you know. Yeah. So I decided that in my early twenties that I would basically um, just focus on music, and then later in my life bring the art back you know yeah. and that's kind of what happened because you know fast forward 10 15 whatever years you know there was like a little bit of not i'm skipping a whole lot of ground you probably want to cover yeah but, yeah we'll get back to it it's okay but, finish um, your thought <laughs> but yeah like so like you know way later uh i was you know after touring the world you know and just recording a bunch of albums there was like a little bit of a, a lull where I was just sitting around and I was starting to spend a lot of, you know, my savings, my money and whatever. And 
I kind of needed a job and then just like, um, and then just randomly I started getting asked because little by little, like I was always doing album artwork for my own band and occasionally posters. So, you know, the art was trickling out, you know, here and there, just a few pieces every year. But Well, um, yeah, I mean, you have this other skill. How great, you know, it's like, oh, I'm putting out a record. I should probably put an image to that record. I do that. How cool. <laughs> yeah, so, so pretty much yeah, that was like the only time I would actually draw was for like necessity, like stuff like that to, to aid in my band, you know, to my music. But but yeah, so then later on, I wasn't doing as much music or I, I was always writing, but I wasn't like touring the world right. or whatever. Or, so yeah, I got some art jobs and then that just, I just started. Brought it back in the fold. It kind of made me, because re- I guess when I was really young, I guess I didn't realize that that was an option. Like, oh, I could do a poster, an album cover, and make money. Like, people would pay me for that. Yeah. So, so yeah, I started making some money, and then little by little, I just I just took every job I can get, and then it snowballed. And then next thing you know, like I was doing it all day, every day, and that mm-hmm. kind of hasn't really stopped. You know, for the past two, three years, just drawing. All it's, the time. I mean, how how wonderful to have you know two artistic skill sets, which is really cool because no matter which project you're putting mildly in the forefront, it's something that you are very good at, but also something that you innately enjoy. Oh, thank you. No. Um, let's go back just a little bit because you had brought it up earlier. You said you moved from Orange County in your early 20s, kind of when this the transition of art and music were happening. Where did you go? How did you start uh, your band initially? And and. How did you start to evolve the sound that you have musically? Yeah, well, um, I guess a few questions. There. I know, I just, <laughs> I know, I just all, spit them all out at once. It's, it's all good. <laughs> with, with, as far as the influences go, like, um, I guess, you know, like most people, and then they grew up in, you know, whatever generation, they listen to certain, you know, like, sure, I listened to like Guns N' Roses when I was a kid, and then Nirvana when I was. You know, stuff like that. But I've really found my, um, what I really um, identified with and, re- you know, what resonated with me was when I listened to, like, certain 60s bands, you know, when I was, like. Oh, for sure. I, I mean, was, yeah. Yeah, when I was, like, 10 or 12, when, you know, some people grow up with the Beatles and I didn't. But, you know, when I when I discovered, like, you know, Rolling Stones and the Beatles and then. Led Zeppelin, The Doors, you know, stuff like that. And then even later, like Leonard Cohen and even The Clash and stuff and Beck. And, you know, Beck was probably one of the only, like, contemporary people at the time that I was really um, inspired by, you know. Yeah, well, he's amazing. Yeah. Good choice. Yeah, so he was, you know, (laughs) stuff like that. And then later on, you know, The Kinks, I love The Kinks. Uh, And my my family did listen to some cool music, but it wasn't just around the house. I had to, like find a tape in a drawer, you know, that was, you know, <laughs> yeah. hadn't been opened in years, decades, you know. Um, but yeah, so that, so once I like found that, I'm like, okay, this is what, I, this is what, you know, this is what feels good. And this is, that was naturally the kind of music that came out of me once I started like really, you know, digging into that whole uh, world, you know. But then like, so, um, so I was always doing music and I just had it under my name, Matt Adams. And um, I had a couple little band names here and there with a couple groups, but um, you know, nothing really worth mentioning. But then when I moved to LA and like- So that was the next stop, LA. Yeah, I moved to LA and I lived there for a couple of years. And that's when I kind of came up with the moniker, the blank tapes, you know, it wasn't really like, I didn't have like, 
I did have a band, but it wasn't like a, a band name for those band members. Right. I was just recording. And then I, I just noticed at the time there were certain performers who, like especially up in Olympia, Washington, who had like, um, it was just one person, but then they had a band name. Totally. Just to kind of make it a little more interesting and give the illusion of a band or something. And or give you, yeah, the options, I guess, really. It's like if you want to play with a three-piece, five-piece, ten-piece solo doesn't really matter. Yeah, so yeah. it's basically just me and then whoever, or just just me, you know. And uh, so I kind of yeah was in- inspired by a lot of people who are doing that, you know. And th- there's a lot of bands that we all know where it's kind of like that, where there's like one main person and everyone else is kind of interchangeable to some degree, you know. But you know, I mean, uh, but um, yeah. So I came up with that band name, the Blank Tapes, like in 2003 or something. So it's been a long time, but it it kind of like shifted a lot through a lot of different styles like initially it started off as more of an acoustic folky thing and then little by little got more electric and more psychedelic and then it was like full-on you know guitar solo rock and you know but there's always stuff in between you know like i've always done everything well the beauty of the evolution of music i mean and our personal journey which is cool because it's like you, you know it tends to reflect where we are in our lives rightfully so yeah, I yeah. think I think for me also, like, uh, up until I came up with that name, you know, I had a half stack and I was soloing and I had guitar pedals. And, and I guess I was kind of like getting a little too away from my roots, I guess, or what I felt like is what I wanted to do. And I was recording, you know, I guess the origin of the name, The Blank Tapes, is because I had like, like most people... Well, you know, some people had a four track. I had like a digital program, you know, it was Cakewalk, which is, you know, a super old program. But I learned how to record myself and I didn't really like the fidelity. I didn't really have any good preamps or mics or anything. So it kind of didn't sound so good. Then when I started recording on cassette tape, I just really liked the um, fidelity of that and the sound and the way it colored certain things, especially for not having any nice stuff, any recording equipment. It just kind of made it sound a little more interesting. Yeah. And then, and also the fact that it had limitations, you know, where before, you know, I was just recording just tons and tons of instruments and not really, not really um, paying attention or not really, or not really like keeping uh, or having like a certain structure or arrangement in my, in mind, you know? So like in a way, when I went to the uh, four and the eight track tape thing. It was a, uh, it was a way for me to like really kind of hone my, the um, you know what you know the basic um, elements of the song. You yeah. know? So then, so in a way, it was like a real shift from that. You know, and then so I, I sold my half stack, and then I'm like okay, acoustic guitar mostly. You know, so it was a way almost for me just to go down to the basics. Yeah. You know? And then from then, from then and there, I've been like. You know, I'm in a studio, dig, you know, all digital, <laughs> recording as many guitar tracks as I want, you know. But right. I, I kind of have the, the, you know, that, you know, it, but I, I still have that in mind where it's like, okay, what's the foundation? What is, what's like the basic elements of it, you know? There's something about um, what I call a general, on a very general scale, kind of the crossover generation where it's like you have this group of people that definitely grew up with, cassette tapes and possibly even vinyl 
as little people. Mm -hmm. And then they were present for the whole boom of the digital capability. Mm -hmm. So now you have this whole new generation that makes all their music digitally and is trying to create sounds of the past that, you know, so this, this hybrid kind of crossover generation, which we all fall into, I say that to, about Dylan's and there, we're all kind of in this interim where we remember and heard things of the older sounds and ways mm -hmm. and then watched it evolve and have the ability to appreciate the digital abilities and capabilities. But we, I think there's a sensibility that we bring to the table that's really kind of unique in having both entities, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like having a, a past and having a future that is not limiting because you have all those references and resources, you know, which is pretty cool. You can say things like, now I'm laying down as many guitar tracks as I want, mm -hmm. but I also remember to keep some element of that simplicity of when I couldn't, you know, and, and the authenticity that came with some of those capabilities or yeah. restrictions, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's some, it's a little bit of a mindset, you know, yeah. just, you know, having like, you know, like with a lot of people, you know, sometimes limitations, sometimes people need limitations, you know, like, I don't know, with like, uh, a certain artist only using a certain color palette, you know, mm. for, you know, where it's like, oh, I only use blue now, you know, and then, you know, they, they have a whole world within that blue, you know, right. and, and now, like you're saying with like our, you know, you know, generation, broad generation of coming out of the analog yeah. age into the digital age nowadays, I mean, there's a little bit of, a little bit of nostalgia, but also, I think now I pretty much use computers for everything right. to some, you know, even when I draw these posters, I draw them on paper, but then I scan them and I kind of like will color them on the computer yeah. and sometimes adjust something like with, you know, with recording, if I do record on tape, I'll transfer it to a computer program and mix it from there or whatever, mm. you know? So now it's just a tool in the, in the process, you know, there are purists who just, you know, it's like only analog and right. I respect that, but I, I mean, it's, but digital, you know, technology is a great it tool. Has, it's a brilliant convenience and tool for sure. Okay, everyone. Today's episode was recorded at and brought to you by Raven Sound Studio in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. Raven Sound Studio is a professionally equipped audio production facility offering recording, mixing, and mastering services throughout northern Arizona and surrounding areas. Whether you are looking to cut a demo, record your next single, or have a full album produced, Raven Sound Studio has the tools and skills you need to get the job done. For more information, head to www.ravensoundstudio.com to book a session or schedule a tour. I'm just curious. This is kind of a, a turn left question, I suppose. But when you are playing music, because you're a visual person as well and a, and a visual artist as well, do you, as you write from an auditory place, does it um, intrigue your visual senses? Like, do you think of songs in terms of colors or designs in your mind? Me, not, not it's okay if you don't. I was just well, curious. <laughs> I, I guess not quite in like a synesthesia way or whatever yeah. it's called, where you where your right. senses get mixed up. Um, yeah, maybe just like in feelings, you yeah. know, like um, the, you know. I guess with music, I'm a little bit better at conveying my um, emotions, and there, there's a little crossover, you know, with art. You know, I'm not necessarily like drawing like someone that's all that's like sad and depressed and that you know has like a moody thing I, I, I generally don't like you know where maybe I'll write a song about being sad or something I don't you know but um there's a little bit of crossover to some degree where like 
Uh, you know, with certain music, I can kind of, I can imagine a landscape. I don't necessarily, but um, yeah, it's uh, not maybe as, as much as you, you'd think, but I think just in general, like uh, I have a real kind of cartoony outlook on the world, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, spent a lot of my life being really stoned as well. So it's just like, <laughs> you know, so like just a lot of my life is just kind of in like a, I'm a Pisces too. I don't know. If, Water what, sign. I don't know. So I'm like, I, a lot of my <laughs> world is in, in the clouds and in the in my dreams and just uh, somewhere else, you know, yeah. I, I got, got a, you know, huge world in my head with like, you know, all kinds of ideas that are waiting to come out, you know, art, you know, musically and um, yeah. I love Illustration it. Illustration wise. Let's go back a little bit. So you moved to Los Angeles. How initially, how was that for you when you first got to this? I mean, Orange County is not that far away, obviously, yeah, but like to this away. vast, wide, expansive city that has all these miniature hubs within it. How was it landing there, getting a, a foothold there, acclimating to that? Was it easy? Was it a place that you kind of initially liked, did not like? Yeah, well, I will say, like, um, so, yeah, L.A. was kind of a test run for me to, I've, I, made, I made a lot of friends, and I had a good time, but I didn't really fully connect with it. So, so basically, my, my initial um, stay in L.A. was brief. Like, I went to L.A. for, like, two years, kind of went back to Orange County for a, a half a year, a year, and then I moved to San Francisco. Mm. And, Great city. Yeah, and it was in San Francisco, and that was maybe 2004 or so, when I really kind of like met my people and found my, um, just yeah, found like everything kind of clicked, you know. Yeah. L.A. and on my initial trip, I it didn't really quite click for me that time. Maybe if I would have stuck around a little longer, it would have. But when I moved to San Francisco, it was like an instant yeah. thing where like instantly. A bunch of I met a bunch of people, and then they all kind of met each other as well. And I introduced people, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, there's a huge community that we I was a part of, and still kind of am. Uh, and it's extended to a lot of other people, but it was a really strong, big community. And I had like I had like yeah, multiple band members, and I was playing in. Every single one of those band members had their own band that I was playing in. So I was playing like yeah, I was playing like five nights a week, you know, and. 30 different bands, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was amazing. And, uh, you know, I was playing everything. I was playing keyboards, you know, drums, bass, guitar, kind of switching around between everything. All self-taught? Well, except for the piano. Yeah. But, you know. Because you guys had, you had taken piano lessons as a kid, right? Yeah. But I will say even in in a way, like, so like with the piano lessons, they, they, I had a couple different teachers, basically like, you know, they, they taught me how to like, play classical music and like, right. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't really fully understand even what I was playing. You know, I don't think I even remember having it register what like a major chord was or a minor chord was, you know, what the differences was or, or, you know, it, it was all just very kind of vague to me. And, you know, uh, I learned some other cool, you know, like my, my initial teacher kind of let me like learn, like, you know, like some, contemporary music or like the Simpsons theme song or st- stuff like that, you know? So, you know, it wasn't all classical, but I didn't really understand when I was playing. Uh, you know, I could maybe come up with a couple melodies and, you know, write a little ditty or something, but it wasn't until I learned how to play guitar when I really kind of 
understood how to um how like chords worked in relation to each other and and then mm-hmm. and then in a way I applied that knowledge to back to piano. So I almost had to relearn how to play piano. Yeah. With like the um the my new like yeah, information that I had. I love um, it. So but yeah, I learned how to play, you know, drums and stuff by myself and bass yeah. is kind of similar to guitar so yeah how long did you bounce around san francisco or or did you stay there for a long period of time before because i know you're in joshua joshua tree now so yeah how did we get into that sh- shift yeah I well I, w- I was there for a good like well there and then i moved to oakland and i was kind of back and forth and then a couple other spots oakland another great music scene yeah, yeah. So, so i mean i was there for about six years six seven years in the Bay Area, and then, uh, and then I was the band was starting to pick up, and we were, and and I noticed just a lot of the industry people that I worked with, and I was always going down to Orange County and LA to play shows and stuff, you know, and um, so I was never really like away from Southern California for too long, but yeah, I was I had like a licensing person and a record label, and they were all in LA, and I'm like, well, seems like the industry is in LA, and um, and I was getting a little tired of. I, I it was just uh, I lo- I still love the Bay Area, but I, guess, I think I just I felt like I exhausted it. I'm like, okay, I played every you know a lot yeah. of venues I wanted multiple times, and I want I just wanted to like get in the industry of it, you know. Yeah. And there was a couple other reasons, like I had a couple band members, and there was this this girlfriend who joined my band, and uh, there was just multiple reasons. So I moved down to LA, and that's when I really kind of like got into the LA scene, and I was there for. A good five years or so, four years. Yeah. yeah. Second time around, did you kind of embrace LA differently than the first time? Yeah. Well, I'd say like the the scene had changed a little bit. Um, yeah, it was, and I had changed a little bit. I mean, it had been like a good ten years or so. So you know, um, I'd, I'd say a lot, everything kind of changed a little yeah. bit for me. You know, myself and the scene, and there was a new crop of bands and people, and like. The kind of music that I was playing was becoming more popular down there, you know, and yeah. So I just, I think I just, um, and we were, we kind of hit a, hit a stride with with the, my band. So like we were playing some good shows, and yeah, you know, and then things were happening. We got a booking agent, and you know, it just seemed like okay, this is the right place to be now. And and then that's when we started like doing a bunch of. You know, uh, I had already toured Brazil and Europe before, but then I was touring. There was one year where it was like, you know, Europe, and then two weeks later, Brazil, and then two weeks later, Japan, you know, and then like a month later, you know, a national tour, you know. So it's so funny for me to hear those things right now because it's so um, nostalgic for me. Like, yes, there was a time when all of us could bounce around the world. It's weird. Right now, coming hopefully out of COVID in the mm-hmm. somewhat near future, um, to to reminisce about these times when when you were sent all over the world to play music, you know, <laughs> I can't wait till we get back to that. Right? Yeah. What I mean, a beautiful it, way to see new places. I know, and it's and it's in it's in like my I don't know my disposition or something where and even like you know just. Uh, Basically, I'm always traveling. I'm always on the yeah. road. Like, even since I didn't really mention it, but when I was a kid with my family, we'd we'd travel all over the place. We went to like yeah. Africa, all over Europe, all over, um, yeah, mul- you know, America, multiple places. You know, so it's just in, been in my blood really to just 
get out and see. I mean, you know, you've seen me, you know, I've, this is my like third time in Prescott in, yeah. in a few months. <laughs> I you love know? it. <laughs> and then before this, I was in Mexico City for a week. And then before then, I was in Austin for a week and uh, LA for a week. So I'm just always bouncing yeah. around. But, um, so it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Joshua Tree's. Up until the pandemic, it was always just kind of, it was my home base, but I was rarely home, you know? When, uh, like, after L.A., did it become home base in that section of time, just in general? Yeah, I kind of, I always had, like, a, a one foot in L.A. even when I moved to Joshua Tree. Like, yeah. I moved to Joshua Tree in 2014. And, what, uh, what was the impetus? Like, what was the reason you went, you know what, I'm going to go live out there and still come back to L.A., but I'm going to choose that as kind of the home base? Yeah, there was a lot of reasons. Uh, one, because I've I, I've been going out there for a long time. An old girlfriend of mine also, uh, her parents had a house out there. So when I moved back to L.A., I was going out there a lot more. Kind of like, usually I'd go to camp, but then I was going to stay in a home and I was getting to know the locals. And But uh, I guess I just got to know it more and then just from playing some shows. I basically started, and then a couple friends of mine from Orange County moved out there. And basically what happened was I was living in LA. Well, I guess I was, I broke up with this particular girl who was in my band and uh, I was kind of bouncing around places, you know, sublets. I had like a nice sprinter van with a, in a rehearsal studio. So I was like sleeping in my van, you know, by the beach, you know, sleeping in my rehearsal (laughs) studio. And then, but then being out of town most of the time, you know, staying with friends or wherever, you know, so I was just living the life. And then I was, I call it my last weekend. I was basically just like at bars a whole lot, you yeah. know, just really kind of living that musician life, you know, of like staying up late, drinking a lot, being a lot of people and doing a lot of music still. But um, I guess at some point in, you know, LA, you know, has a bad reputation for like, there's a lot of good people there, but there's a lot of kind of weird people, you know. <laughs> You know, it's very true, you know, and like there's some sleazy people, even in like the the music scene I was in, you know, like a lot of them kind of got canceled recently in this in the whole recent Me Too thing. But none of them were like friends of mine, but people that <laughs> just I knew. In a, in a circumference, yeah. Yeah, people that I knew and like, you know, just there was just a lot You're of. Like, oh, dude, you're one of those guys. Well, no. I mean, well, with you, well, I, mean <laughs> I already knew it, you know, yeah. I was like, I know you're a sleazeball. So, yeah. you know, so there was basically like there was just a whole lot of people partying way too hard. And like, I felt like myself, I felt like I was somewhat getting, I don't, I don't like, you know, do hard drugs or anything, you know, or Coke or whatever. Like if anything, I'm doing like smoking weed and the occasional, (laughs) you know, psychedelic or something, but, uh, you know, or whatever. But, uh, but, you know, there was just a lot of, you know, people doing like other things and it was just getting a little dark and, you know, sleazy, and and I was like, I, I want to, you know, I'm kind of like, spending- no, that's not really my vibe. Yeah, I mean, maybe like every now and then, but you know, not to be not the sleazeball thing, yeah. but part, parting all night, <laughs> yeah, you know, just occasional sleazeball. No, yeah, I'm just kidding. Weekend sleep <laughs> sleazer, you know, but uh, you know, basically, I just I got tired of that, and and I and I and I needed to like just focus and. I always liked the the desert and uh, some friends of mine who moved there from Orange County, one of them had like an open room yeah. and I went up there, I went up to like a New Year's Eve party, like not at that house, but, and there was just a bunch of locals there that were really welcoming and they were all cool, you know, kind of we- cool weirdo artist types, you know, this is back in the day when it was really affordable and uh, <laughs> still is somewhat affordable, yeah. but not really. 
So like, yeah, people were just living there practically for free. Yeah, know? I was like, going to say at the moment, rural communities are booming. <laughs> yeah, I mean. So everybody's like, get me out of the big cities. Yeah, I mean, pe- people paying like next to nothing for like yeah. some really nice places. And so there was a good community and everyone was really welcoming. And I just felt the pull, you know, I'm like, I feel like LA is kind of getting weird and this is welcoming me and I need a change of pace. So yeah. I moved out there for a year and then I kind of moved back to LA for a year and then eventually... I settled and I've been kind of there for at my current house for like six years. Yeah. And um, and loving it and still bouncing all over the place. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Up until the pandemic, I was, you know, I wasn't, I was there a lot, but every chance I can get, I was out of town, you know, yeah. doing something. But when the pandemic hit, I was there pretty much all the time. You're a as gypsy. most people, you know. <laughs> but now, little by little, I'm kind of getting back into the flow of um, yeah. getting out of town and stuff. But, Good for you. Yeah. And it's true. I, I feel like in, in a musician's life, you know, really we find home bases because the rest of the time we're bouncing all over the place. <laughs> so it's a matter of like, where do I want to come back to? You yeah, know? you know. Yeah. And, and it's a nice place to come back to. It's mellow. It's beautiful. You got the stars, you know. And, and then there's you know there's a good community too. There's some there's some good people. It's changed a whole lot during this the pandemic though. It's it's um a lot of people have left. Tons of really rich people from LA have moved there and bought up everything. <laughs> you know, so the landscape <laughs> is definitely well not the yeah. geography but like the businesses and yeah. the type of people that are there. It's really changed. You know, it's less weirdo artists and more like. Second homey. Or, yeah, or even yeah. just yuppie kind of, I don't know. I mean, they're nice people. I don't know. Not to talk shit, but it's just getting a little weird out there now. But um, <laughs> it was weird in a good way before. Now it's getting weird in a weird way, like yeah. in an L.A. weird way. Yeah. So it's a constant change. Things always change over some amount of time. Definitely. I've seen it happen a number of places I've lived, so I feel you on that one. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about your music right now, because we're here in the studio. You're currently here visiting while recording at Raven Sound mm-hmm. Studio. Where are you currently drawing inspiration from? Uh, how is this new project coming along? What? When do we get new music? Tell me about all the current stuff. Yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> so so basically, like, I'm always lately. Maybe it's just the pandemic, or I'm just taking a break from the music industry, but. I haven't been releasing so much music, but I'm still recording constantly. Like this particular album that I'm doing at, in Prescott with uh, at the Raven with uh, Dylan Ludwig. Um, basically, it's one of many projects I got. Like I already have like five other albums yeah. that I've finished that aren't out yet. You know, so but this particular album is kind of special in that. Um, it's kind of interesting that you're we, we're taking a trip down memory lane and stuff because all these songs that we're doing, which is twenty of them, were written when I was living in San Francisco. Wow! Yeah, that's one thing that never um, gets lost on me or dulls in my perspective is that you know inspiration strikes when it strikes. Obviously, so whether if you're living in San Francisco and you're writing these songs, but I always find it fascinating as to when something was created versus when it's the right time Mm -hmm. to do it. You know what I mean? Where you can say, like, I was living in San Francisco and just now I'm getting these songs on a record, you know? Yeah, pretty much. I think basically, like, with a lot of people, you know, you write a bunch of songs. Some of them you don't finish. And then the ones that you do and the ones that you like, you put out. So this was... not. I liked all all these songs, but I just didn't finish the lyrics to any of them. And then eventually... 
I just wrote a million other new songs and I kind of just put them by the wayside and then right. and then I'm I'm pretty good at like cataloging all of my music, all the songs I have recorded and released and all the ideas I haven't. So it was just like part of like a huge list of projects and and albums and then when the opportunity came around to record here with Dylan uh, back in June or whenever it was, I had a I have a particular drummer that lives next to me in Joshua Tree, and his his style. He's a really good drummer, and I was like, okay, well, these older songs I think would lend themselves to this particular drummer's style. Yeah, uh, you know, because in a way, they have, some of these songs have a bit of a '90s flair to them. You know. They're still very '60s and '70s, but there's a little there's a little bit of a current thread, or at least current, current yeah. back then, you know, late you know '90s, early 2000s. But you know, but I still really, yeah, I always liked the songs. I just kind of put them on the back burner. And, yeah. and, and there's a bunch of other ones from other, you know, like these are all the rock songs, and then I have a whole other batch of songs from the same era that are more like folky or yeah. country, you know. So it's like that's what I mean. I love it. I, I love that it's like you know, art doesn't dissolve. Based on a year, you know, it it just waits until it's the right time for you, which I think sure, is amazing. Yeah, unless yeah, unless you you're writing a very topical song, you know, about like right. a current you know event. But um, yeah, pretty much all these songs, you know, that they they've for the most part, I feel like they've aged pretty decently. You know, some of them definitely sound like oh, that sounds like something Weezer would have done. You know, where it's <laughs> like I can def you can definitely hear my influences yeah. coming out. Still, I was gonna say it's still a good reference. <laughs> Yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it, years may have gone, but Weezer's still great, so I'm I'm good with that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> de- yeah. There's definitely some bands, you know, like I'd say for the most part, most of the music I was into has stood the test of time. You know, yeah, you know, I didn't really get into too much. It was always generally, yeah, like '60s and '70s sounding type of. I don't know. Not to say I'm a purist. I love it all from you know, yeah, '40s, '50s, you know, whatever, 1800s doesn't matter, you know. <laughs> But, you know, just connect, like a lot of people connect mostly with that era, you know, yeah. like that era of songwriting, the era, you know, the, the instruments they used, you know, everything about it, you know. Just curious, do you find that your artwork, your drawings, do they um, have seasons like music does? Do they, Do you find that certain time periods of your life you drew a certain way or you were drawn to this style of creation, whereas maybe now you are drawing things that look a little different or have a similar through line? Or does it evolve in the same way for you that music does? Yeah, I'd say it does, you know. I mean, different obviously but but i think yeah i mean like like let's say when i first started the um the blank tapes band name my art kind of reflected that because in a way like with the blank tapes band it was kind of going back to the basics and with my art i was doing a lot of art where it was just um it's online you could see it but it's it was like brown um basically i'd get like food packaging and like cut out like the square and like use like the brown paper side of like, I don't know, a Cheez-Its box or a cracker box. <laughs> you know, you have this nice kind of cardstock yeah. brown paper. And then I would use like black ink and white ink on that. So it was just basically black, white, and brown. So it was like in a way a minimal approach to drawing, you know, just using right. minimal colors. And then little by little, now I'm like full Technicolor, you know, doing all the stuff, you know, kind of like with the, you know, it's like with the music, it's like, it's all, it's all game. You know, now I have a better, better, I don't know, I like to think I have better taste and like, you know, like 
I don't know, stuff like that. Overdub. Well, it's just you know, evolved, yeah. yeah. Adding instrumentation or adding colors, whatever it may be. You know, in a way, I, I kind of had to strip everything down to kind of get back to, um, well, yeah, the fundamentals of it all. Now I'm like building everything back up again and like, yeah. oh, okay, now I, I kind of, you know, in a way it's, um, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I come from somewhat of like a scholarly background with music and art, you know, like I went to art school, did the figure drawing, I, I can draw realistic lifelike stuff if I want to. With music, I know music theory, you know, I know how it all works together, you know. I have a pretty good understanding of, of um, yeah, of all that stuff. And and with both fields, you know, it's like a you know popular saying, you know, learning the rules to break them, you know. So totally. I kind of like wanted to, you know, like with music, I'm like, okay, I know technically what, how everything works and what should be here, but it's always fun when you kind of mess with that and you do something. Yeah. But, you know, I, I always like, I was telling a friend, I kind of like to, um, or a few friends, but I kind of like to have a deceptively simple sound where you don't re- you don't realize that you're hearing. How much is going on. Yeah, like yeah. modulations, key changes, you know, f- crazy chords, you know, that have yeah. like accidental notes or blue notes. As well, and well. I think that's also the fun discovery for the listener too. You know, when you're playing it back for the 50th time, you're like, oh my God, did you, wait, is he playing that there? Like, ah, you know, yeah. I think it's fun. Yeah, or like, cause I always, yeah, I, I always found like, if I'd learned like a Beach Boys or a Beatles song, a lot of times it was way more complex than I thought, you know, than I imagined because right. they make it seem so effortless and it flows so nicely. So in a way that was always, you know, I wasn't, you know, just that kind of, that's what I wanted to do with my stuff, you know, just make it like flow. But then, you know, like a lot of my band members kind of like when they learn some songs, you know, they, you know, it seems a lot easier when you hear it and then when you're actually learning it, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> there's really specific parts. We skip, we add a beat there. We skip a beat. We, uh, you know, the drum fill has to lock in with that. You know, I'm just like, it's just it's way more uh, intense and uh, detail-oriented than they imagine. It you meets know? the eye. Yeah. 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 I like that. So. so you mentioned that you're holding, you've got, you've been recording nonstop and you're holding on to some of these things. Do you think you'll be releasing anything coming up soon or are you going to wait till it kind of feels right? Where What's. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to do something this year, but just didn't get around to it. But next year for sure, I'll yeah. come out with something. Who knows? Maybe I'll come up with, come out with something around Christmas time, you know, just to have something, but um, Ooh, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, like I said, I mean, I got so many different things. Usually I like to have some kind of label attached to the uh, album. So it's just a little bit more of, an official thing and there's a little bit more push, you know, there's other people yeah. involved. So, some, so usually that's the hardest part of it for me. I mean, it's not necessarily too, well, luckily, you know, it's, it's not so hard getting certain smaller labels involved, you know, right. which is great, you know, but it's just a matter of timing. And sometimes like if a label wants to be involved, they're like, well, I'm booked for the next year. You know, how about a year from now, you know? Yeah. And then you got to do all, you know, depending on the involvement, you know, there's a PR campaign. Let me ask campaigns, you, I was going to say tours, with that, you know. how does, because I, I think that's one of my favorite questions for artists that have been involved in the industry side of things and been signed like you have. How do you, uh, from an artist's perspective, how do you tie in the business brain to the creativity? 
Just barely. I don't know. I mean, it's 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 I, I it's the worst. I mean, I think that most, was the best answer. Just barely. I don't, come on. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's. I mean, some people have a gift for that, you know, and and they do pretty well, even if they're like, you know, don't have the, you know, don't have too much to back it up. You yeah. know, if they if they got the business thing down, then they're they're good, you know, and the promotion and. Nowadays with social media, you know, just having a social media presence, you could do whatever you want almost, you know, or like you get a TikTok viral hit, you know, then you got oh a record label, you know, it's insane. But yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, I guess I've just out of, um, you know, I, I guess I'm, you know, I guess I just, uh, it sucks sending emails and, and, and yeah. organizing stuff, but it's just part I, of I, it. I just, yeah. you just do it and. I could do it more. You know, I spend way more time writing songs and doing other stuff than I do the business side. Like, like I was saying, I mean, this past year, I kind of took, you know, most people took a break from yeah. stuff like that, but I, I haven't really like done anything in the music business. Well, I do have a licensing person, you know, I haven't really, people will reach out to me about certain stuff if I already have a right. relationship with them, but I haven't been doing anything but I feel like that's been a welcome break for most people on some level because it's been like listen the relationships are there you know what I do you know what we're capable of you know what sounds we like to put into mm -hmm. the world from our hearts and our places and our spirits but I'm also going to take a breather from like trying to play the hustle game and and allow my creativity mm -hmm. to come through in this in this little break <laughs> in this hiatus, you know. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I'm just yeah. It was you know obviously it was the pandemic was a bummer for a lot of people. A lot of people lost their jobs or loved ones or whatever. But you know, and then you know for you know it's not I, not that I can even complain about anything. I was I was doing a lot of art during the pandemic, but you know I lost some tours. You know I had a lot of plans, yeah. uh, as did every musician. You know, but once I like once the dust settled and I came to you know terms with like the new light you know the new reality or whatever i was like okay well this is a great time to be i mean obviously a lot of people had certain amounts of depression and anxiety they were dealing with and it's hard to be creative when you're doing that but but for the most part i was able to just be really productive you know i wrote yeah. like i don't know 100 songs this past year and uh, recorded a whole bunch you know just for me that's like that's really all I want to do is just yeah. have nothing to do but to sit around with a guitar and a notebook, you know. I mean, I could do that all day, every day. I love it. <laughs> I'm right there with you. That That's ideal. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> Where should our listeners be looking for you, finding you, following you, enjoying you? Well, I'd say like, you know, uh, you know, social media, I guess. You know, Instagram is I'm probably the most uh, active, uh, active on Instagram where you could like, you know, Facebook, I'll post shows, but you know, you know, I, uh, and Twitter sometimes Twitter and Facebook. I Everything under the blank tapes. Yeah. Under yeah. the blank tapes. Yeah. All right. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I, but yeah, Instagram is where you'll really get like the, you know, the little behind the scenes stuff, you know, and love it last minute, whatever's, you know, so. Well, we'll make sure for certain to put those links in the show notes so people can just click and find you. Yeah. This has been such a joy, Matt. I'm so stoked that you're back up here again and working on a new record with Dylan because he's the best. Yeah. And uh, it's been such a treat to get to hang out with you at Raven Sound Studio and talk about your life. Yeah. Thanks well, for th being my thanks, guest. Thanks for having me. And, um, you know, when, you, when you're when you dropping new stuff, we will be sure to promote it. 
Yeah, but hopefully this album gets done pretty soon and, you know, hopefully it's out in the world by next year at least. Love it. I love it. We'll be looking forward to it. Thank you so much for being Mm -hmm. my guest. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. And have a great rest of your day recording. Thank you. (laughs) Have a good one. Thank you. You too. Alright everybody, today's episode is brought to you by The Raven Cafe, located at 142 North Cortez Street in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. I love this place. I eat there all the time, and let me tell you why. The Raven Cafe features a full, all-organic espresso bar and a wide variety of craft beers and wines. Their innovative menu is created with a focus on organic ingredients, many of which come from local sources. So head on over there. Enjoy a relaxing and comfortable environment decorated with rotating art shows by local and regional visual artists. And on the weekends, a lineup of the best in up-and-coming local music. You don't want to miss out on the Raven Cafe. It's absolutely one of my favorite spots in town. So head on over to ravencafe.com and order online or stop by to catch a happy hour on their beautiful rooftop patio. Thank you for listening to The Creative Convergence, coming to you from Raven Sound Studio in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. Are you a professional in the arts and would like to share your story with us or a company that would like to advertise with us? Shoot us an email at contact at ravenproductionsmedia.com. Help support the arts by becoming a Raven Productions member. To get your perk card and be the first to know about all of our upcoming promotions, events, and online programming, your membership will directly support the arts programs in our schools. Sign up today at ravenproductionsmedia.com. Until next time, be safe and enjoy the journey.